Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class today is dedicated for the Rifuah Shalema of Rachel Bajoar. Um, may she live many more years in good health, sponsored by Wendy Benishu, and as well for the Rifuah Shalema of Me'i Ben Adelia and Chanabat Rachel, sponsored anonymously. Rabotai, I want to read you something that I thought was very, very beautiful. We see Yaakov Avinu traveling back towards Eretz Israel, traveling back into the jaws of the lion, okay? Why does Yaakov Avinu, let's remember for one second, Yaakov Avinu ran away from uh, Eretz Israel, from his parents' home. What was the reason? How come he left? You know, it was all because of the fact that Esav was so upset that he knew that he had said, he had overheard Esav say, saying, you know, Yikrivu avi, may the days of my father's mourning, his passing, come to pass, and I'm going to kill my brother. So Rivka tries to save him. And she sends him away. So why in the world is he now coming back? Yaakov Avinu to Eretz Israel. So it seems as if God is saying to him, Baruch God says to him, don't worry, go return back to Eretz Israel. I'm going to protect you. So one answer is that Yaakov Avinu, he had the haftacha, the, the pledge of God that he would be okay. But he comes towards Eretz Israel. And he starts preparing for Esav as if he's in exactly the same state as he was before. How many years had passed already since Esav had, uh, had been, his feelings had been hurt? 20. How many years? 20. More. 20 years he's by Lavan. 14 years Yaakov Avinu was in Yeshivat Shem Vaever. Okay? Um, two years, sorry, two years is after this story. But either way, 30, 34 years have gone by. Yaakov Avinu is still sending presents. He's bowing down. He's preparing for Milchama. Why did Yaakov Avinu assume that that was the case? That Esav was still upset and that he had not forgotten about the fact that he was upset with Yaakov Avinu. Says of Shlomo Levinstein, an unbelievable thing. He says, you know, if you have two brothers or partners or family members or friends, one of them does something to really upset the other. Maybe you feel maybe even stabbed in the back. So you want to know if the person still is upset at you. So there's ways of being able to tell. You, you know, you see his body language. You know, you find out. But there's one way for sure you know that you'll be able to understand whether or not the guy hates you. And that is, if the guy has named his kids... He's named certain things after the fact that, he, that, he were, that, you, got, that you messed him over. Like we know by Benjamin, when Yosef, Yosef was sold, Benjamin named each of his ten children after the fact that Yosef was gone. Mupim, Chupim, right? Rashi says each one of them was named. Now I'm going to have my son take him to the Chupa and my brother's not going to be there. Mupim, each one, he interprets the words to mean the fact that Benjamin named his children after Yosef. Now, Rabotai, let me ask you a question. Which way do you think it went? Was it that Benjamin never forgot because he had named his children that? So every time he stood at the bottom of the stairs and he said, Chupim, did you do your homework? So he was reminded is the point that he never forgot because he named his kids those names? Or is the reason that he named his kids those names because he never forgot? Which one? What do you think? I think. 
I think both. I think both. I think probably the fact that he's still naming it is indicative of the fact that it's still fresh. But I definitely think the fact that you named your kids after it is going to help keep it fresh because every time you mention it, I think also that's part of the reason why we, the custom is to name your firstborn son, to name your children after your parents. That way, when a child is growing up and raising his own family and taking care of his own things, he calls up the stairs, he says, Jack, what does he remember? Remembers his dad. He remembers that he has an obligation to show kavod, respect, in his father's lifetime and to give nahat even after his father has passed. That way, each time you call, you mention one of the children, like the pasuk says, ki dabribo zachor eskirenu od. Each time you call this child Ephraim, Ya'ab HaKadosh Baruch says, I remember the Jewish people. I remember my children because every time I use his name, it brings me back. I get reminded. So Rabotai, if Benjamin names each one of his kids after the story, the episode, the saga of Yosef, he never forgets the fact that his brother is gone. Rabotai, Yaakov also understood from a similar instance that Esav had not gotten over uh, the fact that he felt that Yaakov had tricked him, that Yaakov had messed him over. How did he know that? Let's look at the Pasuk now. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim. And Yaakov sends angels, messengers, Lifanav ahead of him, El Esav Achiv, to Esav his brother. Where does he send them? Arsa Seir, to the land of Seir. That's the land where Esav lives. Sedeh Edom, the fields of Edom. Rav Shlomo Levenstein points out that what he noticed was what Esav had called his territories. He called it Atzah Seir, a land of... Seir is a goat. What did Yaakov do in order to trick his father that his arms were hairy? He brought the Seir, okay? The fact that it was comparable to the Se'ar, to the hair of Esav. So he called his land Arza Seir. Se'ideh, the field of Edom. When did Yaakov get the Bechorah from him legally? When he sold him the Bechorah for the, the lentil soup that was read. When he saw that he was naming his countries, naming his city after the story, he understood that uh, this, he wasn't yet done with this. You know, if he named his sixth child Ponzi scheme, he probably didn't forgive you yet, okay? Because he's bringing it up all the time. Rabotai, we said that there's two reasons why when someone is upset at somebody, right, if they name a child after it, they name a story after it, right, they coin a term after it. Oh, okay, you're pulling another, uh, you're pulling another uh, long branch move now. Oh, you pull, yeah, you're doing the same thing. They've even termed or, co- or coined the term for what you've done to them. Rabotai, we said that it goes two ways. One way is that he names his kid or his place after the item. But the other way, Rabotai, is the exact opposite, right? The other way is exact, exact opposite. It's that you name something in order not to forget. There's a kibbutz in Eretz Israel. In 1948, just three short years after the Holocaust, Many of the survivors from the countries that Hitler had destroyed had killed the Jewish population. They went up to Eretz Israel, and 
the fighters in 48, many of them were the people that were Nitzolea Shoah, the people that were saved from the Holocaust. And in fact, they even had a kibbutz, that the name of the kibbutz is Kibbutz Lochame Hagetaot. Now, why did they call the kibbutz that? The kibbutz of the fighters of the ghetto. Why did they do that? Because these people, they knew they were in a new country. They were in a new situation. And they were liable to move on from their old country, from their families, from this great injustice that had been done. And they wanted to remember forever that they were kibbutz, a gathering of lochamei hagetaot, the fighters of the ghetto. Rabotai, sometimes memories are worth preserving, are worth holding on to, and sometimes memories are worth letting go. Esav here has a fight that is now 34 years in the making. Something that happened such a long time ago. And yet, he is not willing to let it go. He's driven. He still remembers, Rabotai, Sedeh Edom. He remembers something that happened when he was 15 years old. I mean, they're, they're, these are, they're, they've moved on. They're each huge people in their own right. Esav is a general leading an army. He's very powerful. He's very wealthy. He's still talking about it. You remember that time? He's naming the country names to remind. So he never forgets. Rabotai, there are things that we never forget. Some things are so imprinted upon our memories that we never forget because we have no choice. You know, someone says something to you, it's so harsh, it humiliates you so badly. He steals an amount of money from you. It's so much money that you can't bring yourself, no matter what happens, you can't forget. It's so imprinted on your memory. But Rabotai, not every memory is like that. And not every fight has to be that way. And sometimes, we're not noticing that we're doing it, but we're naming children, and we're naming places, and we're instituting, hear these words, sometimes we institute mechanisms in order not to forgive, and in order not to forget. Ask yourself, how important is it to hold on to this? How important is it to ensure that 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the line, you're still gonna remember this, that you're gonna be holding on to this anger and to this poison. You know, Yaakov Avinu, he does everything he can to placate Esav. He sends the animals, he even puts a little space in between each set of animals to make the gift seem even bigger. As he's walking, he's bowing towards Esav, right, until he gets to his brother, and the Pasuk actually tells us something very interesting. It says that Yaakov Avinu bowed, and he bowed, and he bowed. And then the Pasuk says, listen to these words. Vayishtachu <clears throat> aretz, and he bows seven times. Sheva pa'amim, ad gishto, until he reached Esav Achim, until he reached his brother. The Pasuk is telling us that sometimes when a person gets very angry, they've buried this anger or this upset so deep that an apology doesn't work. 
Each time Yaakov bowed, he bowed again, he called him my master. What he did was he took off one of the layers. And then a second layer, and then a second layer. Ad gishto, he bowed until he reached, until he reached his brother. You know, in our eyes, sometimes the mistakes that we make are not so big. And we expect the person to just let it go. And we tell them, come on, why are you holding on to this? Why are you naming your children names after this item? Just let go. Why are you, why are you still so upset? But what we don't realize is that at this stage, they took that seed, they buried it in the ground, trying to ask forgiveness without getting to the core of the matter is like trying to kill the, the tree by pulling off leaves. I'm so sorry, I apologize, I this, I that. If the person has buried that anger deep inside of them, then the only way to get to it is by uncovering layer by layer by layer until you've reached Achiv, you've reached your brother. At that stage, now we're ready for a conversation. I'll just give you an example. I don't know if there's any conversation on earth that right now could bring peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. There's just there's too much water under the bridge. There's been too much, too many terror attacks. There's been too many rockets to, to say sorry. You know, and on their side, in their understanding of the situation, remember, they're being trained, they're being uh, you know, they, they, the history books are being changed to illustrate that what they're doing is some sort of freedom fight and that they are, you know, heroes instead of, instead of terrorists. You know how much you have to undo before you can even have that conversation? I don't know that that will ever be solved until the coming of Mashiach. I mean, maybe we should try, do our best to make shalom. Maybe now there's more pressure because other nations, other Arab nations are normalizing relationships with Israel. Maybe now they feel that their support system around the world is weakened. Maybe there's an opportunity to try. But nothing gets solved by one conversation. So many times a person experiences, they feel like, I asked for mechila. Why can't this person just let it go? Why can't we just go back to where we were? You insult your wife, you come back, I'm sorry. It's not the same. You, you can't expect that to work. I'll give you an example for this and we'll, this will end. There was once a, a guy who came and slapped uh, the, the uh, briskerov across the face when he was a young child. The briskerov walks up to this guy right away and he slaps him once and he slaps him twice. So I think the story goes that his father asked him, good, you're in the fight, it's not considered revenge on the spot. Revenge is only later. Someone hits you, you're allowed to punch them back to get them off of you, you're allowed to fight to protect yourself. He says, I get that you hit him once, but why'd you hit him twice? So he says, once I hit him because he hit me, and once I hit him because he started. Now, the child, he was very young, the briskerov, but... There's something there. If I hit you, and then you hit me back, are we even? No. I just hit you back, so now we're, you know, we've hit each other the same amount of times. I didn't come to you and hit you. Even if I hit you back to even the score, I didn't want to get hit to then have to make it even. 
Rabotai, many times when someone says something that's insensitive, and then they come and they expect, what do you mean? I apologized. They're just being pedantic. Look, they just want to fight. It's not true. You need a couple bows. You need a couple Adonis. Sir, madam, my master. In order to be able to remove the layers that we place. So on the side of the person who's asking forgiveness, we learn a lesson as to how one approaches asking forgiveness when they've hurt someone. But also we learn how not to be when someone does hurt us. Because effectively erecting these barriers quite often means that years down the line we're still holding on to something that we could have let go of a long time ago. Not everybody is going to learn this lesson and make all the preparations that you have to make before you say, I'm sorry. And therefore, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth the agmat nefesh? It's an amazing thing, people holding on to hurt. Why do we do that? It's like we want to remain hurt. Why do we do that? We relive a story in our minds again and again. Why? It's almost as if we feel that if we let it go, then the person gets away with it. If we let it go, then justice was not served. But justice is not being served by you remembering it either. And the person is not learning their lesson because you forgave them. They actually are not thinking about this at all. <laughs> Rabbi let's understand that the only person that anger hurts almost always is yourself and it's a poison that we carry around and it ruins our day. How much better would our day be if we could let things go? And the crazy thing is, Rabotai, is sometimes we can actually outsmart ourselves like this. When someone's hurting you, or when someone says something that's annoying, or when someone says something that's petty, or when someone makes a joke at your expense, you know, you came late to shul, and the guy sitting there, two rows back, says, oh, azaku baruch, you know? You know, it's a good thing you came early for mincha. How could you say that to me? Da, 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 da. Yeah? Just catch yourself before you plant the seed. Catch yourself. If you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, it has a chance of being a tree. But what happens if someone gives you the seed, and before you plant it, you throw it in the garbage? Nothing will come of it. It won't go any further than that comment. So what, what do you want? You get a comment, what do you want? how do you want it to go? And as we all well know, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us tremendous reward when someone ha gets us upset or when someone says something and we don't answer. If a person keeps their quiet in that moment, uh, a person is shomein chirpatam ve'enan meshivim. They hear their uh, embarrassment. Ve'enan meshivim means and they do not respond. So we know that that person in that moment can ask for any biracha in the world. Someone is embarrassed and they do not respond. I want to say that maybe there's another interpretation to that word. Everyone translates, you don't answer. But maybe I think there's another interpretation. And they don't keep bringing back that They don't keep replaying that comment. They don't tell the next guy, you know what this guy said to me? Meshivim. They bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. They actually just let it die. They let the wind blow it away. 
May Hashem bless us always to be able in those moments to ask for the beracha that we want from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to let it go, to not plant the seed and to throw it away and through that Be'ezrat Hashem to live much happier lives, uh, much more content lives, carrying much less poison, uh, developing and holding much better relationships. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.